0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I received an email yesterday from one of the interpreters, and it's heartbreaking to read, because and he asks me not to be precise about anything, um, don't post anything about me, please, about him personally. He writes, I'm living in a doomed country, I've done everything. Canada and reached the end, but the passport became an obstacle in my process, which I was told months ago that Canada doesn't need the passport. I will let you know, he emailed. Meanwhile, um, even writing this email was very difficult. Sorry again, I can't do media interviews. And then he goes on, and I'm not going to read this part because it might serve to identify at least in part where he is. But it's heartbreaking to read because we know what's going to happen to these interpreters if they are in fact apprehended by the Taliban who have had a hit list on the interpreters for years. So my good friend Joe Warmington, who alerted us, all of us in this country, to the plight of the interpreters 10 years ago, uh, Joe and I communicate quite a bit, and uh, he was let me know about Kareem Amory, who was the interpreter for Joe when uh, Joe was in Afghanistan 10 or 11 years ago. And Kareem came to Canada on Thursday, Thursday night. So yesterday morning, I was communicating with Joe initially by text and then by phone and Joe asked me if I wanted to speak with Kareem on this program today. And I said, Abs- yes, absolutely. And, and so he was standing with Kareem, so I called. And I was on the phone with Joe Warmington and with Kareem Amory when something happened. And if you've been following me on Twitter, at the Roy Green Show, or at Joe Warmington, follow Joe, or if you've looked at the story in the Toronto Sun, you know uh, what took place. But for those of you who are still looking for detail, Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, what happened yesterday was something I, I'd never heard before, and certainly as it extended beyond the moment that I was listening, and you continue to be engaged, was again something I haven't heard of in this country previously. Remind our listeners, well, please tell, share with our listeners what happened. It's almost like uh, somebody inside of the
1: operation, the government or what have you, doesn't want the Canadian public to fall in love with these interpreters, which is exactly what should happen because they're brave and they're courageous and they helped us and they worked with our media and they worked with our generals and our troops. What happened was um, I was over at a hotel in Toronto and Kiram uh, Amiri is one of the only interpreters that, that I know that actually got through in the first four flights. There's a lot of people that worked in the embassy, people like that, all, all important as well. But uh, because we know him, we've worked with him, Aaron O'Toole has fought for him in the past, and obviously uh, Wendy Nuri-Long of uh, Afghan-Canadian Interpreters and our good friend Chris Eklund, they've been working on it. So I made arrangements to go over there and see him, and I would talk to him, and I've got a video up on TorontoSun.com. you know, my visit with him. And out of nowhere, two people showed up, and they basically did a rendition on him. I told them who I was and who I represent, and they didn't say anything, just grabbed him, almost like put him in a, in a bag, like it was ridiculous. I've never in my life seen anything like it. And they whisked him into the hotel, and I couldn't find him for a while. You were on, I was talking to you about, you know, you were asking him how he's doing and things like that, but we were heading it towards him coming on the show today. But these people killed that. And they would have killed my column, Other than I'd already talked to him, And, um, you know, it's not right what happened. Uh, Chris Eklund called the police, uh, and uh, you know you you weren't happy yourself, Roy, and neither was my editor. So it's it, it's it's pretty ugly. This is not how we do things in Canada. It happened right in front of me. Thirty-five years I've been covering this town. I've never had that happen before.
0: So yeah, well, you and I were talking, and I'd been, uh, i had been I mentioned or at least I talked to Kareem as well, and he'd agreed to come on the show. And then I hear silence and a bit of a commotion. I couldn't tell what was going on, but I knew something was was happening that was out of the ordinary because you weren't say you weren't speaking. Kareem wasn't speaking. And then I heard you say, I'm Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun. Who are you? And I heard nothing except commotion again. And I guess that's when they took him away. They never told you who he was, who they were, but eventually you found out who they were, or at least who they represented. Tell us about that.
1: Well, I'm not sure exactly the organization, because they never really have been transparent about that, but somehow it's with the IRCC, Immigration Canada, and, you know, they... I you know, I don't know what their reasons uh, for doing that were. I think it's not, uh, you know, I don't think it's benign. I think that it's pretty serious what they did because it scared this guy, you know, he's been fighting and for, for 10 years trying to stay ahead of the Taliban. And it felt to him like, you know, they were taking him somewhere. And, um, you know, I couldn't find him. I haven't talked to him since. I mean, Wendy long tracked him down and he's apparently very upset about it. Um, And this is what they're doing. And, and, you know, they want, it hasn't been said officially, but they don't like the story. They don't like the fact that he's on the front of the Toronto Sun today. And I'm not going to let the Trudeau government or any government take us off our goal, which started many years ago, you and I and other people, that were on this before, you know, before this latest push. We have to get everybody on our list here. Yes, they could focus on the 20,000 over there and some of them uh, are, are people as well that we work with. But first things, you know, they've got to get on. There's people waiting for the door to be kicked down by the Taliban or the door to be knocked on by somebody representing Canada to get them to Kabul. Yeah. And as you described in that, you know, uh, sort of almost like, you know, blood-curdling email that you read a bit of there, mm-hmm. that's what's going on. That, that's very, very true. I mean, these are, these are the kinds of letters that will be read A hundred years from now, these people are slaughtered over there. And there's people that we know that are facing this. And it's all been put on, Roy, by somebody coming up with this idea that we need to slow this down by making them have a passport, an Afghanistan passport. Many people don't have it. Most don't have it. Those that do, it's lapsed. It's not exactly a place you're traveling in and out of. So that was put up, and I think that's a Taliban move. It's also a shakedown move. And Canada didn't seem to have any answer to it. So what they did instead, they come up with the 20,000 and we'll move people out on the outside. I think they should do that. But before they do, they've got to get whatever the number is, is far less than that, out of harm's way and back here. And forget the red tape, forget the paperwork. Get them here and we'll talk about it later.
0: You know, Joe, I read emails from the interpreters. And as the anxiety increases, they're... Uh, command of the English language as their writing decreases because yeah. their anxiety levels are so high. And, and I, when I read that email yesterday, and if I compare it with an email the same person sent me two or three weeks ago, the anxiety level nowhere near as high. He's terrified for himself and his family. Now, what really worries me or concerns me greatly is if those individuals who interceded yesterday, that rendition as you called it, if they're working for immigration and refugee canada if they're working for the immigration department federally who hired them are they are they do they work full time for immigration why didn't they identify themselves why wouldn't they tell you who they are why wouldn't they tell you what organization they work for what is going on do they just not does the government not want you and me uh, to be talking to the interpreters there are many questions that that demand answers here
1: well there's going to be somebody making lots of money because it's 20,000 people they've identified Afghan, you know, nationals that are out of the country that they're going to bring in as refugees. And if you recall the si- the Syrian situation, it started at twenty five, it's now at forty five thousand. And there's many great success stories with it. And, and why, just, Joe?
0: why, why with every opportunity we've had for years now, we've had opportunities for years. Why am I receiving? Why are you receiving emails from interpreters in Afghanistan who are terrified for their lives? and who we may not, not be able to reach because we haven't figured out how to get them here. We don't know how to do it. We don't know where they all are. We don't have the resources on the ground. I'm going to be talking with General Milner later on today on the program about that very thing. Lots of questions, Joe. That was that was really disturbing what I heard on the phone yesterday. And what you're re- what you're relating again this morning continues to be disturbing. If you want to hear more,